0: going on? This is Marty from the Grass Station Podcast, and welcome to episode 12. Today we're going to be talking about fall execution. Right the last episode, we were all about fall preparations in terms of figuring out our program, what we want to do for this season, and how we want to repair our lawns. Right now is go time. For all of us here in the Midwest, if you have not been thinking about what you want to do this fall, in terms of getting your lawns restored, it's the time right now to figure this out. In fact, you should have been thinking about this for several weeks up to this point because we're running into our window for when it's gonna be safe to get our seed down. Right now, it's already 62 degrees at night, excuse me, 56 degrees at night right now, and that's fine for right now, but the temperatures are going to continue to get colder at night, and you'll run into some frost issues if we are planting grass seed at the end of September into October. So right now we're fine, but a lot of us are going to be planting Kentucky bluegrass. And that takes at least three weeks to germinate. So if you're going to be doing that, now this weekend, if you can, is the time to get your seed down. Fall execution is happening now. Um, Also, later on in the episode, we're going to be bringing on our first guest into the show. This is uh, Daniel Peterson. He works over at the Pocasset Golf Club in Massachusetts. Uh, this is in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. And I believe that course was, uh, I think what he said was 1916 is when that course was initially built. So pretty cool. A lot of history on that course. And he's got a, a really impressive set of photos from his course and from Cape Cod and things like that. So uh, feel free to, to follow him, Dan Peterson, over at The Greenskeeper, at The Greenskeeper AH on Instagram. We're going to be talking to him in a little bit, but yeah, like I said, we're going to be just diving into some of the things that are happening here with our fall execution steps. Now, it's September, so I apologize. I have not been able to get out an episode in the last couple of weeks. Things have been absolutely crazy around here. September is our month for all things lawn-related. You know, if you're a lawn nerd, you love the fall time, and that begins in September, end of August, early September, because right now is when we're putting all of our programs together and we're executing all of our plans that we've been thinking about for weeks, right? Some people have been sitting on bags of seed for months. They, they bought these, you know, in the spring and they've held on to them until now. And this is the time where we get to put them down. So that's what I did. My personal lawn update, you know, I'm looking at having mowed the lawn really short in the last several weeks to prepare for this, this last week and we went ahead and we dethatched i used the sun joe dethatcher and i ran over the entire lawn multiple times with it probably on the second setting you know not quite the lowest lowest but pretty low to get all of that you know dead material that dead debris if you've been following it all you've known this is a step that i've been trying to do for several months since i moved in really 18 months ago when i moved in i kind of identified this you know heavy thatch layer that i needed to dethatch and aerate i haven't had the time to do that You know, we have a six-year-old, two four-year-olds, and a one-year-old, and that one-year-old was born, like, literally, I don't know, four days after we moved in, so, you know, I haven't had the ability to kind of take on the mechanical processes that I wanted to last year, especially because it was new sod, and I wanted to give it a year to kind of settle and give it some, you know, somewhere to go from, and I just wanted to be able to give it a year to establish before I went in with anything major. So this year, that's what we did. We really came in and we beat it hard with the aerator after we had dethatched and lawn swept everything up and, you know, made sure that we mowed really low. So that's where we're at right now. I have not gone in and put down seed yet. That's my next step is to put down a little bit of seed, some Kentucky bluegrass seed here uh, probably this weekend. Today I'm talking, what is it, a Wednesday. So I'm going to be getting that down within the next two to three days here. Probably by the weekend we'll get that down. And there's a landscape supply store that's not too far from us and that's where I'll be getting the seed. They've got some pretty premium seed there and I really don't want to get it from like a Home Depot or Ace Hardware or whatnot because I want high-end good quality Kentucky bluegrass to match the mono stand of Kentucky bluegrass that I already have. If you have multiple grass types, don't feel like you need to be as snobby with your seed. You know, um, I still probably wouldn't recommend you go just get whatever you can find at Home Depot because that's not really going to be the best bet for you. But, you know, something like a uh, Super Seed Store or GCI Turf, um, Yard Mastery sells several different, you know, blends, but they don't actually have one of themselves. And uh, Mountain View Seeds is a good one. A lot of different seeds. So... Uh, if you're interested in having that conversation, go back, listen to the grass seed episode. It was a couple episodes back. I think it was episode 10 where we talked about grass seed pretty in depth. So feel free, check that out. If you haven't, check out episode 11. That's where we're talking about all these different individual steps that I'm giving you guys a quick update on here today. So yeah, I haven't top dressed, haven't seeded yet. Going to get some seed down in the next couple days. And then we're probably going to come over that um, you know, just with a little bit of, a little bit of peat moss, if I'm feeling like, especially in a a couple of the bare areas that I've really ripped out. Yeah. And that's, that's really what's going on here. So that's why I haven't been able to get anything down, anything out recently, because we've been so busy, you know, it's, it seems easy, you know, to talk about, oh, let's just dethatch and aerate, no big deal. But, you know, it's, it's quite a bit of work, you know, several days I dethatched the front and then couldn't get everything done in the same day and ripping everything up and cleaning it all up i had about 10 plus bags of thatch that i had and filled up the truck so really it was a lot you know it was it was really a lot to to work with and it's not difficult it's just time consuming and laborious you know so i had to run the aerator pretty quickly well, you know last week i think it was saturday morning i had to be at my kids soccer games so which by the way they're awesome at soccer <laughs> You know, know, um, of course, I was such a proud dad the the day that I, you know, got to see them out there and they're just running around. It was like that, you know, doing the best that they could. And I'm so proud of them. It was really fun to watch. But, you know, for six and four, I have a set of twins and the twins are on the same team, actually. So it was really fun to watch. Uh, They'll get get better, I'm sure, over time. And uh, just so proud. But anyway, I had to get to their game by 11 and i can't start the aerator on a saturday morning in my you know town until 8 a.m so at seven thirty i was out there you know 6 30 7 o'clock i was out there you know prepping the lawn getting everything ready i had to get it out of the truck and you know, do what i had to do fill it up you know with gas and everything like that but then i'm marking the lawn where my sprinkler heads are so i run each zone and make sure that i mark each sprinkler head so that i don't run it over with the tines it's a really important step if you have in-ground irrigation make sure that you're marking your heads you gotta mark those heads or else you're going to pierce right through them and it can do some pretty significant damage but an aerator shouldn't have any issue unless you've got really shallow irrigation lines which they should be at least about six inches down now these tines are going to go maybe three four inches at the deepest but that's where we're at with my lawn. And we've done this on a couple of project lawns. We did the same thing over at my buddy's house. Um, he's up the street from us. And he's got a 5,000 square foot lawn where we did the same deal here. We went and we aerated. I think I got a couple reels on the Instagram page to show you that one. So feel free. Check that out. We're at the podcast, And brings me into this next element of, of updates is our coaching program, and we're really excited about how things are moving along here. You know, right now we have several different clients, Kurt being one of them up the street here. I was just telling you, we aerated his property, but there's a couple others that we've taken on that have helped me identify kind of this pilot program for the coaching piece, and we're building out something that we're going to be able to sell in the spring to whoever would like to do this program, Um, kind of focusing in on some new homeowner's as well as some others that are just looking for additional help working through the lawns, kind of with the hands-on coaching stuff. So that's being built right now. We're going to be able to offer that here in the spring. And the, the few that I am working on are in really, really good shape. And I'm super excited to see how these different project lawns are going to work out for our team of clients that are working through all of these steps right now. You know, we had a couple people that had to burn down the lawn completely a couple of people that needed to regrade their property and, re, you know, uh, bury their downspouts and get their water management in place, get their irrigation in place. There are so many different people that are so many different pieces to these different projects that are going on. It's really exciting to see the transformation on a lot of these properties. So that's going to be coming up. I'm really excited for that. It kind of gives me this, like, I think it's just a good feeling, you know, that like all of these different lawns are right now coming into fruition and a lot of people are going to be able to look out their backyard window and just say, wow, look at the difference, uh, and that they'll have a nice established lawn for their kids to play on, to, to be able to you know, work with this space a little bit better. But if you've been looking for a greener, healthier lawn, and you've been seeking some guidance for that, and we've been working on a program together, I'm really excited for you guys to be on that next page where things are growing. You're going to get your first couple of cuts on it here in the next few weeks and it's go time. So I'm really excited for you guys and anyone that has not yet thought about what they're doing for this se- this season, get on it. You need to get on it. Last thing here are some behind the scenes stuff of what's happening with the podcast. Um, we've been really growing. We've been seeing a lot of uh, expansion and it's really exciting, also kind of intimidating. So um, we're we're doing our best to stay on top of all the changes and all the Things that are happening right now, for example, today we're taking on our first guest, which is super fun and super exciting, but it's a change to work with technology a little bit to get things, you know, working. And um, it's exciting for sure. And we're, we're happy to see those transitions. We're also working with a couple of different vendors and hopeful to be able to put some recommendations out to the, out to the world on some different things that I'm working on in the back end. Once they become available, I will absolutely let you guys know where we're at with those. Uh, hopefully, can offer a couple of discounts and a few really good products. So, without any other things going on right now, I apologize. I haven't had an episode out lately, but that's kind of why. There's a lot happening, and everything's moving very quickly. So, there's a lot going on in the background right now. And if you ever need some real-time, you know interaction with us like i said the facebook groups the the instagram page tiktok uh, they're all very good places that you can you can find me and kind of have that real-time interaction we've got stories from every day that i'm usually going outside and figuring out what's going on in my lawn or giving updates there you know if you're waiting for a podcast to drop feel free to check us out at one of those pages i guarantee i've got a reel coming out or i've got some stories or or something that's happening in the lawn, because there's always something happening in the lawn. But without any further ado, you know, let's jump into that conversation that I had here with Dan Peterson over at Pocasset Golf Club. This is The Greens up. Hi, is this Daniel?
1: Sure is. Hi, Daniel.
0: Yes, this is Barty from the Grass Nation. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for, for taking the time to, to meet with us and to do a little conversation here. Um, yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: So, yeah, I just want to run you through a little bit of how I see this going, and then we can just really just kind of steamroll into the conversation. You know, my, my goal here is to just kind of introduce you and bring you in, tell us a little bit about what you're doing, your, your name, where you're from, uh, where you work, and things like that. What brought you into lawn care. We've got a few questions for you and things like that. So hopefully just, you know, a pretty casual conversation about about the lawn in general. Great. Awesome. Awesome. So let's go ahead and, and get things rolling here. So tell me a little bit about who you are and what brought you into lawn care.
1: All right. Uh, well, my name is Dan Peterson. I started working at Bokassa Golf Club as a kid in high school. Uh, I really hated it, that stop and shop. I really hated it, and, <laughs> sure. uh, so they—I uh, got in touch with someone, and they put me in touch with uh, the superintendent, and that was that. I mean, in the beginning, it was you know pipe dream to work at a golf course, you know, like right. no one—no one had ever come to school and been like, hey, you know you could work at a golf course, instead you know, (laughs) maybe done things a little differently.
0: Sure. Were Uh, you into golf a lot as a kid or did it, was it just something that you did for a job?
1: I did. Um, I wish I golfed more, but I got into it real early, you know, five, six. Gotcha. Going to to lessons with my older cousin, watching, playing. Um, it wasn't Mm -hmm. anything that you know, overtly, like, oh, that's Dan, the golf guy. But, (laughs) you know, I just, I always loved it. And over time, you know, I've gotten more into the turf aspect of it. And I think that's really fun to challenging Um, things you just don't think about, you know, in a home-on situation. Right. And vice versa.
0: Yeah, they're two completely different animals. You know, I know there's a lot of people I've talked to that are fascinated with the idea of getting into golf and getting into the sports management world, and they've asked me questions, and I'm like, man, I, I really don't know. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame when you start talking about super shortcut turf and different fertilization schedules, irrigation schedules, and things like that. So that's really something I'm interested in learning about today and something that a lot of our listeners are interested in learning about. Um, yeah, so how long have you been – how do you pronounce it again? Is it Pocasset?
1: Yeah.
0: And that's in Massachusetts, right?
1: Yep. Uh, right at the beginning of Cape Cod. So I started in 2006. Okay. And I've, you know, was seasonal for quite a while. Uh, then I left for a couple of years for full time work elsewhere. Non-industry. Hated it. Uh, (laughs) Definitely found out I'm an outdoor cat. Um, (laughs) I always tell people it's great because now the customers don't want to see me and are very happy if I go and run into the woods when they come up. <laughs> sure. Um, but so yeah, I've been I've been deeper into the industry since 2017 now. Okay. Just learning everything I can. And a couple of years ago, I picked up a couple of uh, high end higher end properties. Down the road from where I live, kind of just keeping it like a golf course, you know. Uh, Not necessarily the turf height, but like everything's green, everything's full. There are no actual real world problems with that grass, you know.
2: (laughs) Sure. Whether I have to
1: go buy a roll of sod or whatever, like we just make problems go away.
0: That's nice to have you in their back pocket for sure. Somebody that's working at a golf course to help them through some of their homeowner challenges. That's... Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. and
1: it, it's it's things you know you run into, so like traffic. You know, if they have a bunch of people over, their grass isn't necessarily conditioned to having go pets walked in it.
0: Right. <laughs> no, and, I can I can relate you know, to that definitely. We have... yeah. I have four daughters, and I feel like, I don't know how golf courses do it. I have four kids with tiny little legs, and I'm like, man, they're messing up my stripes. What are you guys doing? Get out of the lawn. <laughs> so yeah. I could relate. There's
1: a there's a really good picture out there. Um, I'll, I'll try and find it and send it, but it's a green mm-hmm. that has uh, thousands of footprints cut out oh my and gosh. placed down on the green.
0: That's why you know
1: <clears throat> in a progression of like uh if we have this many people in a day, um, here's their footprints leading up to the hole, and you can just see that like there's not one blade of grass on that green that isn't totally inundated.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you guys are are you guys using bent grass on the greens, or what type of grass are you using on all your guys' greens?
1: Well, we're we're a very old course, um, over 100 years old in portions. Uh, so we're preferably bent grass, but we're probably a 50 50 Poa bent grass mix at this point. Right. Okay. There's just no. <sighs> it's not a good 50% either. It's mixed in everywhere. It looks like camouflage. You know, you you couldn't do a targeted attack of power to get rid of it at this point. So Mm -hmm. we, you know, have to deal with seed head in the spring, seed head in the fall. Right. Um, And that's, you know, they come out so fast and the golfers all gone. Yeah. Uh, And it's just something you don't think about, you know,
0: Right, right, yeah, I know those seed heads—they freak everybody out in the springtime. And I try to remind people it's it's part of the life cycle of the plant. Like you just gotta just gotta roll with it a little bit. But you guys with Poa, we I mean, we get like seed heads on the Kentucky bluegrass or whatnot. But yeah, I'm sure the Poa comes in even more so. So it's, but I don't know. It,
1: it can do better in you know uh, lower temperatures. The grass likes a little hotter. Okay. So you know the Poa just guess this chance every spring to like get a jump start on right. the bent grass.
0: Right, right. So how do you guys attack that? I mean, are you just like, continue? do you cut every single day off on the greens, or, or how are you guys making sure to avoid those seed heads?
1: Uh, well, on the um, triplex mower, I kind of blank on the name of the actual tool, but it uh, it goes on the front reel, and it ours are just like a cross cut out of metal on a on a reel and it doesn't cut deep enough to actually hit the soil it just knocks all the seed heads off and then the mower you know comes in right behind it right harvests them it's pretty cool i mean you can hear them you know (laughs) clacking off of a bucket as they're being collected and then You know, you turn around and you see on the left and the right, like, oh, wow, we're all going to see heads because all of a sudden there's a stripe with nothing. Right. (laughs) Um, But that's, you know, one of the things that, you know, we're fighting Mother Nature on. uh, Sure. That people might not know.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So. That's kind of brings me into like the the whole element of what's happening now. I mean, right now, everyone is doing their whole aeration, doing their dethatching, doing all these mechanical steps. That, you know, for homeowners, it's like it's go time right now. Are you guys noticing a lot of similar things happening in the golf world, or what's your strategy right now with doing repairs and things like that on the golf course?
1: Uh, well, yeah, you're right. This is the time. I mean it depends who you talk to what their strategy is um i've been walking around with uh walk behind and uh i've been aerating keys for the past week okay two weeks prior to that i was walking around with solid times and hitting dry spots patchy spots sure trying to open up some lanes for some of the rain we got
0: right and that's where you're um, not pulling plugs; you're just making a hole into the ground versus pulling something out, right?
1: Correct. And there's different levels to that. I mean, you could have them real thin. You can have them with little crosses on the bottom. You can, uh, I think, they're called ninja tines. Hmm. Uh, you can have them where it's just a knife and it's making a slit, uh, yeah. or, or real thick ones. I mean, sure, that's cool. They all have their purpose, but it's helped quite a bit but now it's it's core pulling season so we'll do the tees and then we'll walk around the greens and do the approach so that when the fairway units come in on the tractors they can uh do easier turns they don't have to get up tight to the green oh sure and uh their screens and that's uh I mean once that last core gets picked up it's pretty much you know thanks for the season guys. But like, yeah, right. any <laughs> golf we get after this is you know, cherry on top.
0: Right, right. And yeah, I was gonna say too, like how does that would then work when you've got people trying to play? or is that getting into your guys' way at all with trying to do repairs or you know, you would think You know, they' difficult to get a lot of that done.
1: For the greens, we shut off tee times on each day, um, so that we can get what we need to do done. Fairways, uh, we'll just shut the hole down that we're that we're working on.
0: Yeah.
1: And they can go back around and play the first hole. Oh, that's Um, awesome. We've done it different ways. I mean, during COVID, when no one was allowed. Golf course. We were working there. we a very small crew. Um, we took the time to aerate everything. Really, and it was great because we could leave the cores out to kind of dry a little, uh, and they're just easier to work with when they're dry.
0: I've noticed that as well, and I'm dealing with that in my yard right now. It's I tried to pick them all up when I, right after I had run the aerator over it, and you know I had watered the night before just to make sure I could pull good <laughs> plugs on it. And I was like, man, these guys are not coming up. I have like a, wa- a lawn sweeper and. <laughs> I was getting so yep. frustrated with it. I was like, man, what is the deal here? These guys are not coming up. <laughs> I ended up waiting, you know, a day or two. And like you said, yeah, I'd already cut short, so it was a good opportunity to try and run the lawn sweeper through it again. And even still, you yeah. know, on residential, you're working with, you know, I my grass right now is probably two inches just because of, you know, bringing things down to dethatch and aerate. But, you know, I'm still catching all of that grass in with the lawn sweeper, so it's not doing a very efficient job at pulling up those plugs. And you guys on, like, the really short turf, it's probably a lot easier to come in and scoop
1: them up. And, you know, you brought up short grass. I mean, if your rough is over two inches, you're probably, you know, hosting a PGA event. Uh, Right. You know, uh, to the, every, every blade of grass on the golf course is short. I mean, I, I know the greens are way, way, way short. Right. But like the, the highest we cut is like the lowest that I'll cut my house.
0: Oh, really? Gotcha.
1: And you know, because mm-hmm. it, it, the turf handles it so much better. I mean, I like get two, two and a half inch when it gets to the meat of the summer, I'll move up to three Yeah. at home and the other property. Right. It helps with disease identification and, you know, it gives the, gives the turf a chance to survive if, you know, we don't get a ton of rain. If we don't get a ton of herb, we get too much rain. Right. Um, gives you room to play. If you're always down with that on that nice edge, I mean, that's been one of the hardest things for me. Um, because everything is cut so short, and because it's you know being managed by a superintendent, someone who's you know been in the industry for a long time and knows what to look out for. We're always spraying ahead of time for a ton of white grubs. We're spraying ahead of time for uh, all sorts of disease. And <clears throat> it's hard to practice identification working the golf course. I would there imagine just that, isn't
0: yeah. A ton. I, I'm sure you guys you are know, using a significant amount of fungicides and, you know, grub stuff, like you said. Do you have any, like, active ingredients that you could throw at us for what you use for that?
1: Um, I mean, everything. I mean, you, you name it. Uh, just today was Lazonam, okay. Uh mixed with Primo, which is a plant growth regulator. Right. Um, and a little bit of forty-four zero zero, and that was around uh, collars and approaches and greens. We have a uh, big uh, mass golf senior am tour at the end of this month, and we're trying to you know slow the grass down, let sure. it grow, you know use the nutrients, you know give it that nitrogen to let it you know, personally grow inside, but not so much grow up. Okay, right. Nice. Take away some of the clippings around greens to mm. present, you know, a cleaner surface. Maybe we can get by without mowing for a few days, reduce the stress and come into this tournament with, you know, a nice, strong green for them to uh, put on.
0: Sure, sure. I'm sure that helps them out there. That they appreciate that kind of you know, effort that goes into it beforehand so that the, when they get there to, to play their, their sport that, you know, they've got a nice putting surface to work with for sure. That's cool. No. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine, like, I, you know, this year I didn't put down preventative fungicides, and I got hit hard with a leaf spot and some melting out in a few different areas and totally wiped out a whole section of my yard, and it's like, That happens to you one time, and you never do it again. I will spend whatever it takes now to have a gallon of my fungicides in the garage. I am not messing around with it anymore. I'm sure you guys do this preventative game all season so that you don't have to learn the hard way. That section of your course just got decimated by something.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it. and everything, things pop up all the time, you know. You prevent where you can but it gets really expensive Uh, some of these things some of these tank mixes can get pretty crazy Uh, what my boss is a fan of doing is um, taking two you know pesticides or fungicides or you know whatever uh, two different modes of action and applying a half rate of each one in the same tank as kind of a you know like buying a budweiser and bud light for a party like you know i want to make sure everybody's happy here
0: sure well, Except, a, you know, <laughs> uh, a little bit of something for everybody
1: yeah and you know i think That stuff's good, you know, it doesn't, you're not hammering your lawn with any one product so that if, you know, you find that something, you know, you need one product more than another because of something it does or the way that it works, you know, whether it needs to work into the soil or you need something that, you know, enters onto the leaf. uh, It allows you, you know, to keep both of those in rotation, you know, you're not using anything too heavily.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that helps. And it also reduces the amount of times that you guys are out there spraying it, too. If you're doing tank mixes, then you're able to put multiple products down at one particular time and not have your personnel out there spraying multiple times different things. You know, you can kind of attack it from that strategy of, I've got X number of guys out there, I've got X number of pieces of equipment, You know, and how do we make sure that we get all of our preventatives down, and also make sure that we're not working guys until, you know, 15, 16-hour days or whatnot. I can't imagine like working the scheduling. That must be a really, really difficult job for them to kind of put everything in place for what the what the lawns need and how to manage that with how many guys you've got and what kind of equipment you have. So walk me walk me through that a little bit. Like, how do you? What kind of equipment are you guys working with? And like, how many guys are working at the golf course at any given time?
1: Um, so year round, we have five full time, plus a super, plus an assistant, and plus a mechanic. So eight.
0: Eight guys. And uh, how many holes? And Eighteen. Okay.
1: And I would, I would say, for a private golf course, with the demands on us that we have, I don't think it could happen with any less. And I mean, that's with, you know, we've got four or five guys who are seasonal that are still working there now. Sure. Um, You know, some of these smaller clubs, uh, the par threes, you know, I know over at Holly Ridge, which is down the street, you know, he's working with, A handful of retired guys, and that's great. That, you know, goes towards the expectation management. Right. You know, a member will text my boss and say, Hey, you know, this golf course is mowing fairways on Saturdays. Can we start doing there? Well, no. (laughs) That golf course costs $100,000 a year to be a part of. And you know, that's another fairway machine, which is seventy, fifty, sixty, seven thousand dollars
0: Exactly right.
1: Uh, and a person to run it, a person to clean up after it. Uh, if you're running one, you're probably running two. If you're running fairway mowers uh, three or four times a week, you're actually probably running three or four fairway mowers. So, mm-hmm. I mean... The cost goes up. Yeah. And if you're mowing that many times, there's that much more stress on the plant, which is that much more spraying. But, like, that's, that's tough when it comes to getting people in and scheduling them. And right. what I've seen work the best is just a set schedule. You know, we come in six to two, Monday through Friday. And then three hours on a weekend to do core setup. It doesn't it doesn't behoove anyone to work those fifteen hour days. Like if you want to go ahead anyone down. <laughs> sure. I I've I've done it myself. I've done it in other, you know, in kitchens and whatnot. Right. If you're doing 16 hours of work, it just means that you need to hire someone else. Absolutely right. Because there's, <laughs> if you do it once, you know, when we're aerating and I stay late, that's one thing. But if I'm staying late to most step cut, yeah. Well, we're getting rid of the step cut or we're going to have to find a way to hire a manager. Right. Because the return on having, you know, a skilled labor. Doing something like that just doesn't, you know, doesn't compute.
0: Yeah, and I bet it also and, plays into the cost for the players, too. I mean, if you've got all these things that need to happen on the back end with maintenance and extra equipment that needs to be purchased, that price per game is going to go up. You know, it's so you. I guess you want to be careful. I'm not sure. I don't know the, the, the marketing strategy behind how these golf courses well, work. But...
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and I mean, we just, we just bought a new aerator. Our old one's 20 years old so if you have a really good mechanic you have you know staff or most of most of the guys at the golf course have been there for 20 years so they're the same people are using the same equipment every year they're that's a good huge with it they know it so it can last 20 years right so you know next year it's going to be one of the fairway mowers and the following year, it's the other fairway mower. In the following year, it's the collar mower. Like Within the 20-year period, every single year, we have to buy new stuff. I mean, we need new golf carts because they're 20, 25, 30 years old. Like, <laughs> you know, they don't really fit the need of what we're trying to do. If we cut 150 trees down a year, uh, which has widened the hole significantly. 25 years ago we had an irrigation system put in 3000 trees ago so it's set up for you know narrow tree lined fairways that we don't have anymore and, you know and they want they want grass wall to wall and so there's always there's always something uh we're lucky the way we do it um being a private course that the members actually own a piece of it keeps the membership kind of low um, you know it's not like a gym membership where you don't tell the guy what equipment to buy sure. um, and I said it's worked for us we've been very very lucky but, you know, they also want to get out at 7 a.m. and they want to have a full T-sheet until 5 p.m. and they don't want to hear any of the equipment. Sure. So, yeah. you, know, <laughs> so you tell me, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll hire a hundred people and we'll have this done at 8 a.m. Right. Or, you know, we'll get on what we get on, and, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. That's that. Right, definitely. That's got to be a big challenge, though. I, I can imagine how that would because the players they want you know certain environment, but also you guys as the turf managers are like, there's only so much I can do here. I got to mow 18 holes, you know. I gotta get out there and I gotta do patchwork. I gotta get out there. I gotta aerate. I would love for you to have a peaceful, quiet you know round of golf every time you want to get out here. But sorry, if you want the if you want the lawns to look good, if you want the greens to look good, we gotta put some work in. You know. It's...
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, would would like to needle time the greens once Mm -hmm. a week but you know right once a summer I guess will be the we did it twice this summer wow okay and it makes a huge difference when you're uh cutting cups you can see where you know you got a real good strike and you got a real deep hole and now it's all roots going through
0: Hmm. it works yeah definitely Walk me through a little bit about your guys' schedule for irrigation. Like, How does that work to make sure that like the course isn't soaking wet when guys get there? When do you guys run your sprinklers?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's also kind of a personal uh, to each superintendent. Okay. The last one we had, they had that thing wet from front to back, side to side. If it, if it was a heavy dew morning, It was no cars. Like it was right, right. It was wet. But he didn't lose as much turf to Will. Or you know, not necessarily lose it, but you know, weakened areas. Mm -hmm. A A lot of tracking now. This guy now likes to dry the course down, make it play a little faster, play a little truer. Um stress the plant out a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of call the weak grass out, Mm -hmm. and find the trouble spots. Um, And so you kind of work with, you know, what Mother Nature's going to give you. (laughs) Right. We're in a weird spot with, you know, we have a canal running right by us, and it really does affect the weather. Um, Really? Everywhere else gets rain, we don't.
0: Interesting. Okay. We get
1: rain, no one else does. <laughs> and it's yeah, you know, like it, it gets difficult when you know your whole plan is for you to get rain on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. And you don't water for the end of the week before or the weekend. And then between Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday you get a third of an inch of rain. Right.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh
1: and it's like okay I needed like two inches of rain I I, I
0: needed more than a third
1: (laughs) yeah I've I've made room for all this water and now there's no water so now you're running around you know throwing wetting agent down spinning heads yeah Um, we kind of sometimes you know it's coming I mean a hurricane you know the rain's coming right yeah um we're expecting some rain coming up in the next couple of days so you know we ran it for six minutes tonight every head six minutes takes us <clears throat> the better part of the night okay um, it's a little older system it's you know some of these guys can turn on whole fairways but
0: yeah and so like the idea there is you're prepping the soil to kind of absorb the water. Is that is that what you guys are doing? Because I try to do this too, and I know it's going to rain. All my people in the neighborhood, they're like, Marty, it's going to rain. You're going to get a ton of rain. Why are you watering your lawn? And I'm like, well, if it's not like kind of wet, then it's not going to absorb. It's just going to all run off. So it's that same practice like what you guys are trying to achieve there at the golf course?
1: Some of that. And, you know, if if you know everything got water, then, whatever water gets on top of that is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at it, it, my own home, I don't have irrigation. I just let Mother Nature take care of it. You know, um, if I have some hot spots, I will hit it with some water. But at the end of the year, I just go around and pound it with a, a drought resistant. Uh, sunny tight grass you know okay. which are the first one i can get my hands on and <laughs> you see. know i want you to live out there like, yeah, if i wanted you to be pampered i would bring you inside but i right. didn't so you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> live with the water you can get yeah which is great because we just got six inches of rain in 12 hours and
0: yeah you guys got hit above. pretty hard with yeah. some rain recently so that's that's good for you guys yeah right? I'm sitting over here. I'm in Elgin, Illinois, in the northwest suburbs of okay. Chicago, and um man, we've been in a drought. It's been really, really dry here lately. So, and I've been trying to figure out my schedule with all of my repairs and things like that. Like going into my repairs, I I felt like almost <laughs> I felt like criminal. It was, I felt like I should not be doing some of this heavy mechanical stuff because it literally, it was like in the middle of a drought. My yard looked. My backyard, especially, looks fantastic. It was great. I cut it really short, and I haven't really cut short all season. So I was kind of enjoying that short look. But then I'm looking at this yard. I'm like, why am I about to do this? We're about to have 90-degree temperatures. But, like, I had the equipment. And I was like, man, it's it's go time. It's September. I got I to gotta make this happen. So, you know, it's it's always just this, like, inner struggle for me sometimes when I look at these, like, fall repair-type, you know, processes. You know, some people I would love to be in the position where I can just be grateful looking at what I'm looking at and say, you know, I'm gonna put a pre-emergent down this year instead of aerating and detaching and overseeding and doing all that stuff. But I don't feel like I'm ever in that position. Like every year, I'll be I'll be that guy next year, but then lo and behold, yeah. every year I'm out there yeah. doing something.
1: Yeah, and I, I even for me, it's like, oh, you know, well, will I'll do the pre-emergent stuff in the fall. Right. Like, I'll do all my seating in the spring and, like, there I was, manual aerator last week. Yep. Poking <laughs> holes in the front yard, of so that I could get, you know, put lime and uh, mm-hmm. some seed down. Like, uh, here we go again. All right. In yep. the spring, I will put a pre-emergent down.
0: Yep. Right. And, yeah, that's kind of what I I preach to a lot of the people that I work with, too. You know, a lot of the landscapers in my neighborhood, they all are dethatching. They're all aerating in the spring. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, man, you guys are kind of crazy because all the weeds are going to start to poke through there, especially because, you know, one of my neighbors works with True Green, and I know that they're not putting down anything like other than high nitrogen products. And, like, he gets yeah. weeds every single spring. I try to tell the guy, I'm like, listen, just switch it up. Like, if you if you were to do that in the fall, anything that pokes through with weeds, it's going to die by winter. Whatever comes through is going to die. And then you start fresh in the spring. You know, you throw a pre-emergent down, you're good for the entire season. But, you know, at some point, like, here, too, we've fought the poa. We've fought, you know, a couple other things. So that's where I was like, well, maybe this year I can put down the pre-emergent to get ahead of that poa, you know, in the spring. But... I don't know, I just always feel like something needs it. Like, when I put in my irrigation system here, because I'm I'm uh, not super... <laughs> I wish I could just let the the planet give us the water that it needs, but unfortunately, I've found this area gets so just burnt up in the summer, and I, I don't like looking at a, a burnt-up lawn. So I did bite the bullet and get the irrigation system last year, and it's been great, you know, but... With that, you know, it's it's been um something that has always been a challenge up until this point. So now I've got the irrigation, now I've got things in place, but my parkways, they don't get you know nearly enough water because my uh city ordinance or whatnot, they don't allow uh heads in the parkway. So that area gets just totally hot. And I you know, I should be out there with sprinklers, but in my mind, I'm like, well, I just paid for this irrigation system. You know, I don't want to be out here with individual sprinklers in addition to that. So I get lazy with it kind of, you know. <laughs> so I got like my front yard and side yards looking great. And then my parkways right now are just completely burnt up. So, you know, my goal was to do the pre-emergent stuff this year, but it didn't work out. You know, so I had to aerate and get all that stuff out of the front. We're going to put some seed down here in the next couple of days and hope for the best. But, yeah, so what would you say is like your biggest, um, you know, like the the biggest difference that you would experience between your golf course, you know, mechanical stuff or like the processes you do versus what you do at your home. Are there anything like that jumps out at you like that's totally different from the two perspectives?
1: Uh, the equipment available. I mean, honestly, if I had golf course equipment for any... For any actual company to have the same lineup of equipment would not be economical, Right. you know, tractors and the Lelly spreader for, you know, broadcasting huge amounts of fertilizer. Like if you could load up a Kubota with a, you know, 500 pound, uh, capacity pelletized spreader on the back. Yeah and drive down a neighborhood, yank a chain, and fertilize any yard you drive by. (laughs) Like, I'd be going up and down, you know, 10 bucks to fertilize your yard. It would take me 13 seconds. Right. (laughs) And I would do every single yard in, but like, that's not economical. It's not, you can't do it that way. Our aerators, I mean, I've rented the one from Home Depot, enough. I don't know if you where you rent yours from if you've got mm-hmm. whatever, but it is not the same.
0: I can imagine. Yeah, you know? I've I've tried like the Ryan aerator. I tried the Claassen aerator. They're you know yeah very similar to each other or whatnot. But I see some of the stuff on Instagram. I see some of the things that you guys do in the golf courses, and I'm just like. That's cool. <laughs> like,
1: I know. Like, man, every every time, time I see it, like, if I could pull that many cores out of my yard at home. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's what me too. So I, I'm on new construction soil and, you know, I'm dealing with just this heavy compacted clay everywhere. And it's, you know, I'm, it's been a struggle. I've been here 18 months now. Um, and, you know, that's just something that I've really, really tried to attack. And from, my previous properties, you know, I've renovated three or four properties. I work with people and coaching them through their lawns. But like right now, I feel like I have to like coach myself through my own lawn because there are times where I get so frustrated with what's happening in my own yard. I'm trying to teach people. I'm like, oh, do this, do that, do it. And here I am like yelling at myself, like what is happening here? Why do I have a big section of dead grass here? But, you know, each lawn has kind of its own challenges. You know, I'm realizing that New construction is a challenge I was not particularly set up for yet. I knew how to do fertilization, I knew kind of all the basic horticultural practices, but trying to chew up the you know, this hard clay has been a really, really big challenge for me. So I don't know if you've got any advice for like how you I'm handle that.
1: <laughs> Experience, man. I mean I the properties I, I took, they bought a house next door and they redid the whole yard and everything. I mean, I lost probably 75% of it to Ross, which is one of those diseases in, in like, in turf grass, you I'm almost embarrassed saying that, you know, I allowed that to happen. But I'm going to, you know, own up to this one. I killed most of the yard. It's like brand-new spanking sod. You know, I just didn't take into account how little nitrogen was in the soil and i was you know trying to put down this low nitrogen product because the rest of the lawn didn't need a high nitrogen
2: product okay right
1: you know i should have had i been involved in new projects more than just being told to go do something right up to that point, maybe I would have known, um, you know, I've spread the fertilizer, but I didn't know why it was spreading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got bit, uh, but it's, you know, it's just grass. It's one of those things you figure out what you say. Okay. You know, the rust isn't the worst possible thing um aerate kind got everything well the hall line, oversee um and go from there and i mean this whole year i'm so happy with the way that the great lawn turned out i mean it is i'm really glad it came amazing.
0: out on the other end you know in a positive situation for you that's really great <laughs> <laughs> it was not
1: positive <laughs> for a long time I'll send you the pictures we'll yeah post them or something but you can sure I mean, you can see where um, extra fertilizer had dribbled out from, you know, the crappy little scoff spreader that I was using. (laughs) Right, right. It was bad. Get those, like, wheel
0: marks, you know, from where it falls into those hollow wheels. Right, definitely.
1: Yeah, literally every single... (laughs) extra bit of nitrogen that was anyway was showing up as like a shit. oh my god Jeez. oh that was so bad
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and like, right. that's you know something that like is kind of against the grain of what most people would tell you with regard to sod you know i know i just did an episode a couple weeks ago where i was talking about you know not fertilizing your sod that comes to you from the, the sod farmers because typically your sod farmers are going to have that fertilized for you but like in your situation you're exactly right i mean you should have probably bombed it pretty hard with nitrogen to avoid that rust situation. You know, it's, so it's always different. It's always a circumstance with every single person's lawn. And this is something I try to explain to people. They're like, uh, like my neighbor does this. He's notorious where he's like, Hey man, what's going on with your yard? I'll just kind of work off what you're doing. I was like, you have different soil than I do. You're like, we just because I'm doing something over here doesn't mean what you have going over here is the same. I and mean, it's maybe similar structure. Sure. But you know, everyone's got a different situation that you've got to work through. So I'm I'm happy you were able to work through that and get you know it's it's always kind of a kick in the gut when something doesn't go your way and you're, you know, invested in it and you know, things don't work out right. But you're right. At the end of the day, it's just grass and you know, we can throw yeah. down seed, we can aerate, we can we can repair. Everything can be repaired, which is which is cool. So
1: and you can, you know, if if it's a client, you can go out, you can make a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. You know, scratch it up a lot, a lot of dust. You know, make it make it look like you're really trying to solve the problem. Right, right. Uh, you know, <laughs> really you're just you know, seed to soil contact. But like, you know, when everything's yellow, when it's supposed to be green, you try and really put on a show. Yeah. Um, and as far as, um, you know, the sod growers do a really good job, but what you're putting that sod down on, right? You know, they had, they brought in, you know, untreated loam, untreated, and that there was no, you know, product applied to that loam to kind of bring it up to speed. It's just mm-hmm. dry dirt, right? And yep. they spread it and it sat in the sun and got rained on for three or four weeks before we got the sod in and then the sod came in, it was August 1st. Okay. Which was a terrible time. Yeah, I was going to say that's
0: super hot for sod, I would bet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was supposed to be in the beginning of June, but like everything got pushed back last year. So August 1st, they put it down. And I mean, whatever level of fertilizer, the sod, People had in that grass got leached out. Right. And I got to imagine a handful of minutes after it got laid.
0: Um, <laughs> sure. Right.
1: And I should have, you know, backloaded something on top of it mm-hmm. so that you know whatever was there would.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's one of the on. that's one of the biggest struggles that I have with people. It's it's kind of a straightforward concept when you talk about seeding. You know, you, you throw down seed, you keep it wet, it'll grow. But there's so many people giving terrible advice on sod that, like, this is a piece that I feel like I really need to dive deep in at some point and do, like, a full-on episode for it. Because, you know, like you said, prepping, oh, yeah. prepping the soil, that's huge. Everyone just says, well, I'm paying somebody to bring in $5,000 worth of sod. Isn't that enough? Like, no. absolutely, no. It's <laughs> no. Absolutely not enough. It goes even
1: deeper in, you know, where... With- they get that sod, that might only be a $1,000 worth of sod to them because they got a grower that grows in clay because clay is cheaper. Right. You know, so now you've got a whole new clay layer on top of loam and, you know, the roots aren't going to grow, the water's going to slide right along that clay layer and mm. never reach anywhere that you want it to. Like, yeah, you know, that's a, there's a lot that goes into using sod beyond. Yeah, definitely. You know,
0: and that's what I have been fighting. You know, I, I'm a turf guy. I'm a grass guy. I've loved taking care of the lawn. I've taken care of multiple lawns so far. But the biggest challenge that I've had is a completely resodded property. It's a new construction, so everything is new sod. And it's, it's honestly more difficult for me to manage this property than it was on my, like, house that was built in 1971. You <laughs> know, like that one, I aerated, aerated the heck out of it. And I just threw down a bunch of seed and water, water, water. And... That soil was nice and rich and black and ready to go. Whereas this is, you know, they backfill with all sorts of garbage. Like, yeah. Yeah, like
1: tanned dirt.
0: It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and the pH is all thrown off because they've got rock everywhere and it's limestone rock. So I'm dealing with that. You know, I'm trying to bring down the pH. Whereas in the Midwest, typically people with established lawns are trying to bring up their pH. So it's. You know,
1: it's a mess. Yeah, same, same yeah. with me. I'm trying to bring mine out. I just put the lime out. I was down around.
0: Yeah. You're uh, trying to bring yours, yours up. Six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. What's your pH at now? Uh, it was 6.1. Okay. Well,
1: uh, I just had it tested recently.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. So obviously, I mean, it needs to come up.
0: Right. What's your ideal because,
1: range? Uh, It's as close to seven as I can get. I mean, it's one of those things, if you can, each each one on the pH scale is in a magnitude of a thousand,
2: I believe. Okay.
1: So it's not, you know, seven to six doesn't sound like a huge change, but it's, you know, the way that it's counted, it's, you're actually a thousand parts off from being neutral. Sure. So if I can, you know, bring it up to any amount, then maybe I'll save, you know, a few of these spots that get really hot and die out. Right. Disease, make them a little stronger. And if Definitely. Not, then, mm, oh. <laughs> it wouldn't be the first place in my yard that I ripped up all the sod and mud and put shells down.
0: Okay. You know, yeah. I,
1: I am not afraid to lose long, okay? Right. do you not know, tempt me.
0: Yeah. And that's, it's honestly too, one of the areas that I have to coach people through as well is I'm doing it right now with a buddy of mine and um, he's got like clumping fescue everywhere. I was like, rip it out, dude. Just, get get after it he's like okay rip it out yeah just rip it out and then he just it's, it's not growing, then <laughs> yeah just don't make it exactly like, and he and i got there it. yeah i got there to help him aerate and he was like okay i ripped some out and i was like no you didn't let's go man let's let's keep ripping it out like he's like are you sure like i don't know if i want to like have all these bare spots i was like man we're going to hit it really 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 hard with some seed we're going to make new grass grow here but there's like this anxiety level of like there's something there i can't just rip it out. You know it's, but yeah.
1: I... Oh my god! It, when <laughs> we got here, my wife and I got to this house uh, three years ago now. I think the first thing I said I was like, "I'm gonna round up this whole yard." <laughs> she was like, "You're not gonna round up the yard." Yeah. Like here I am in a backpack sprayer, you know, pumping yep. away, you know, right. killing everything in the yard. Yeah. You know, when her father comes by at one point like the whole lot's yellow like everything's <laughs> yellow it's like it, it looks bad and i'm like no 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 i swear to god i know what i'm doing yeah right Just Give yeah. me some time and like exactly you know i even um another funny and my wife's a trooper uh, i love her all turf, but turf wives some of the things.
0: They're their own special breed. The turf wives are, are special people that, you know, keep us going. They have to have some level of understanding for the chaos, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Like when I uh, when I did that and then I poked all these holes and I brought in a couple of different types of grass. And one of the things I did was an annual rye grass. Okay. Just a big bag. Of, it's gonna live and then it's gonna die.
0: Right, exactly. <laughs>
1: and and I, I had a very specific reason I wanted it on a little hill right off of our back deck. Okay, um, not a very big hill at all, but you know, high traffic.
2: Mm.
1: We were gonna have to walk over it quite a bit um, while it was growing. You know, I needed something in there that was going to keep that slope, that was going to keep the soil, yeah. and, you know, it's called the nurse grass. It, it kind of comes up first. It holds the nutrients. It holds the water at the level that the other smaller grass plants can get to. Sure. Okay. And, you know, all of that, I had <laughs> my still back on, you know, did you just say that it's going to die? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> like on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. That is exactly what I bought that for.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but in that process, did you also put down like Kentucky bluegrass or any other fescue blends? Oh yeah. Okay. No. Yeah, I, I
1: had the I had the mix that I bought for the yard. Right. But on top of the mix, I put you know
0: yeah
1: the and ryegrass the- down just to get. You know, roots going absolutely,
0: and that's a really good strategy. You know, I've I've seen people do this a lot. Or a a couple of my friends that so for me, I'm in a unique situation with the Kentucky bluegrass sod. I don't want anything but Kentucky bluegrass. You know, I don't want to right now introduce a different kind of you know monoculture of of grasses. I've got all Kentucky bluegrass. So, but with ninety five percent of the people that I work with. They're in houses that haven't recently been sodded. Some guy put down a little bit of this. Some guy put down a little bit of that. And so I almost always will tell them, hey, make sure you've got a little bit of rye in there, especially in like a a full dirt situation because that's going to germinate in like three days, you know, and then you've got something to hold everything in. You're going to hold the moisture in. You've got roots establishing. And then, yeah, whether it's perennial or, or annual or whatnot. but. Yeah, if you don't ultimately want that grass there, it's a great strategy to get it in there, it'll grow for a season, and then it'll die. I'm with you on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, because it was it was a bluegrass-heavy uh, mix that I wanted up close to the house. Got it. And uh, so I knew it was going to take forever, I mean. Right. Yeah. Yep. What a... What a Bad attribute to that grass.
0: Absolutely, um, I hate that about grass. It takes <laughs> yeah. like four weeks to even see the grass. It drives me crazy.
1: Yeah, yeah. and so I, you know, I knew it was going to take forever, and it was right. the area was going to get trampled, and you know, the, the I'm sure you've seen it. If there's a little grass there, people will walk on it. If there's nothing there, walk I mean, right over it. That's their path. That's exactly. where they're going.
2: Yep. No, hundred percent. So cool.
1: If anything I'd like you to have walked on the new grass and Please. You know, toughen it up a bit and stop walking on stuff that's just germinating.
0: Right. Please stay off the grass. Please. I this is one of my wife's biggest triggers as when I do a lawn renovation I've got caution tape up she just doesn't <laughs> okay. understand it. I don't know. It's And she's not alone. I remember when I did it back in my last property, I had neighbors like, hey, that looks kind of tacky. And I was like, yeah, it kind of does, but it's also temporary, and I also spent several hundred dollars on making this come through, so stay off my lawn.
1: <laughs> yeah. So If I didn't look out and see you walking your dog on my lawn, I wouldn't have to yep. stop you from walking your dog on my lawn.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right. And, you know, for the most part, I'm very courteous as a neighbor in that respect. You know, if someone's got a dog as long as they don't leave, you know, poo on the ground or whatever then that's fine but yeah. when i'm trying to seed when i'm trying to establish people aren't naturally lawn people like we are you know so they're not going to think yeah. oh maybe this guy doesn't want me on his lawn it's not a big deal to them but you know like you said if you've got this fresh baby grass that's just poking its head out for the first time ever and you know we've got a whole yard of this stuff Please stay off of it
1: <laughs> yeah, no, nothing says that like don't. a
0: bunch of big yellow caution tape
1: <laughs> yeah yeah so. something bright because right. i gotta tell you nobody on a golf course can read a sign so
0: isn't that ridiculous Maybe too man yeah i'm same deal it's like when i had just like a little string up people got their dogs like caught in the string i'm like hello please like <laughs> I'm trying to be subtle here, but it's very visible. You can see it. Don't let your dogs on it. I was like, I'm sorry. Yeah. My wife's name is Shannon. I'm like, I'm sorry, Shannon. I, There's nothing else I can do. I put in the big, like, four-foot stakes. I had a whole thing. She's like, it looks like a crime scene. I was
1: like, well, sorry. <laughs> Well, it's going to be one if people keep walking around my grass.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right, exactly. And, yeah, normally I'm not like that, especially as of late, too. You know, I haven't done a whole lot of seeding projects in general just because I have four kids and trying to keep them off the lawn is a nightmare. So as much as I can, you know, I try and chop and drop, you know, sod where I can and stuff like that. So, you know, it's always a struggle. It's always something going on. But
1: Yeah. But, no, I mean, I generally, I mean, also, you know, where I, you know, work a golf course with all the grass, like right. singular pieces of grass have really lost their meaning to me. Like, sure, you know, there's no pooping, no peeing signs all in the neighborhood. It's like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, specifically <laughs> use my lawn. It's probably very nice for the dog. Exactly. It like an old dog. It's got old hips. Mm-hmm. You know, get a nice fluffy patch of grass under its feet.
0: Yeah, like, definitely.
1: What do I care? I'll take the cup cutter from work and I'll cut it out <laughs> if I do like looking at it. Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can fix this. Don't, I don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: That's awesome. People always come over, you know, I I don't want to park on the lawn. Well I, that's what we have it for. Then <laughs> I don't see for me I I drive on it all the time it was when it was dirt and it was mud that i didn't want to because it left rocks and right you know all that jazz but now that it's grass mm-hmm. you know you think how many golf courts uh, golf carts go around on a golf course on sure. a given day and now all of a sudden you know, my wife's Honda CRB doesn't seem all that bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. The first time she does it, you're out there, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, it's just, we'll come at it with the, with the aerator later this season. It'll be fine.
1: Yeah. Well, now it's like, uh, you know, I'm driving my car around in the backyard so I can wash it off. Instead of, <laughs> you know, bringing the car to the to the spigot, instead of bringing the hose around to the car. It's like, right. all right, fine. Go ahead. Okay. All right,
0: all right. Yeah, that's admirable. So I mean, like from from my perspective, I have a hard time with that. So when I um one of my neighbors had done like a patio in their backyard, and the space between our two properties is really narrow, so the company that had to end up doing the work, they had to drive on on my part of the property, and I was out there. Every day, like just like a hawk watching these guys, <laughs> you know, I felt like kind of yeah. kind of a jerk, but also like, hey, you're on my property, so I'm gonna watch what you're doing. Um, and I'm still dealing with some of the ruts that they had put into the yard. And now it wasn't super wet, um, and it wasn't like you know anything other than they they had put down boards too. In retrospect, I almost feel like the boards made it worse because now I have, like, a six-foot, like, section that's a little bit lower than the area just adjacent. Oh,
1: yeah. Uh, No, I mean it. Yeah. That makes a big difference. I Mm -hmm. mean, rolling is huge in the golf world now. The the technology on the roller, I (laughs) I, might... do a supplementary episode for you on rollers. Cause All right. My favorite. Um, yeah. And the the difference in unrolled and rolled. If you've missed a couple of days of rolling and maybe it rained, I mean, it's significant. Really? Okay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you can visually see you know uh, i've got three reels you know three rollers and you know what has been rolled by all three of the rollers and then only by two only by one and then not rolled i mean it looks like a set of steps
0: really wow
1: okay yeah so, so would for, you recommend you know,
0: the doing you know rolling for residential to kind of avoid some of that
1: uh, um yeah. Oh, absolutely. If okay. you can find a way to do that and to get a little compaction in the lawn, um, the science is out there on rolling. I mean, Right. Yeah, this either... is a new
0: world for me. I have not rolled. I have, you know, I do use like my striper. That's the extent of rolling that I have, you know, like the 20 pound striper that's yeah. on the end of it. But that's not going to make a big difference in terms of what's happening at the soil level. So.
1: No, and I, in a home, I would maybe say, you know, after all is said and done and you aerate and you pick up, um, then do a roll and get everything compacted. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it helps with uh, weeds. I mean, the weeds don't like the compression. Mm. Um, It helps with everything and you name it, everything. They're amazing. But you know, the the turnaround on that is if you're doing it at a golf course, you want to do it a lot. Right. Right. Because, you know, you see this very initial spike of usefulness, Mm -hmm. but then it immediately goes way back down and it takes a while for it to rise up again. Okay. Um, you know if you roll one fairway one time it's not going to do anything well you know mm-hmm. for a fairway right um for a house though yeah that, that can get you through some time yeah um, I, would, I would recommend that yeah
0: because i've been battling this one spot in my yard literally now for a whole year and i've just like I've added a little soil on top of it just to, like, kind of even things out. But I'm like, man, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> there's gotta, like, I feel like
1: nah.
0: this guy had no idea what happened to my yard. And I'm over here stewing about it for over a year, you know? <laughs> but, you know. And I'm trying to fix it with, like, you know, trying to do everything in my mind that I can think to fix this. And now it's just, you know, a little a little dip in the area. I've gotten, you know, through the, the season with it. I've added some soil to kind of bring it up to, you know, you know, the same level at least. But... Yeah, I was like, man, you are never allowed to put, you're never allowed to get another patio. I'm sorry. <laughs> like,
1: this is um, not going to happen. For something oh, yeah. like that, you could also, you could aerate and top dress.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Got um, it. Aerations are always a good, yeah. you know. If, if yeah. someone blows a hose, it's, you know, aerate, top dress. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: Um. Yeah, again, we're back to the equipment thing. Like, if I could have a roller, yeah, like what a what a dumb thing to buy. Like, I, <laughs> I guess if I won the lottery, I'm gonna own a roller. Like, sure,
0: and so that like that when... my
1: wealth status symbol. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and like the kind of roller that would make a big difference is not really something that the average homeowner could get their hands on. Is that right?
1: Correct. Yeah. So there's obviously the the black barrel with the um, metal handle that you fill up with water. Right. That that could help you. You know, if you're doing it after you aerate and the ground's been shook up a bit, and yeah, no, that that can help. Okay. Nice. Um, you could talk to a paving company. Okay and ask them if it were possible, and they might not do it. (laughs) But if it's possible, if they were fixing something in the neighborhood, if they could come over with their uh, steamroller and roll your yard.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've definitely seen back and forth on this. There's people that are like, No, don't do this. And there's people that are like, dude, you have to do this. <laughs> I've seen yeah. like, a lot of conflicting advice on this particular, like steamrolling the lawn. Because there's one of my friends actually, he lives out and he's kind of in a rural area. And every year they rent like one from wherever they get it. I'm not sure if Home Depot rents them or whatnot, but
1: yeah, Taylor Rental or something. Yeah,
0: something. And he and his buddies, they've got like two acres or whatnot. And they're just out there steamrolling their yards. I'm like, man, that's pretty heavy compaction, is it not? But you know, I can see where it would benefit, though, especially if you're already doing the aeration, you're pulling that out, you're, you're creating kind of, you know, a nice, smooth, consistent, you know, ground level for everything. So, yeah. I and there's, there.
1: there's two types of compaction. I mean, there's, there's good compaction and bad compaction. Okay. Bad compaction is uh, a thousand golf carts zipping over the same spot mm-hmm. every single day. Right. Rolling over an entire area isn't compacting it like people think it is. Partially, we also do it, I should say, for due removal. Okay. Um, If there's one thing as a homeowner that wants to do more than your neighbors are doing, Mm -hmm. and you don't want to spend it or you know, you don't want to add a bunch more money to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Get the do off of your lawn at any cost.
0: Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I usually knock the dew off with a, my irrigation in the mornings, but yeah, I run it for like yeah, like a minute, so couple minutes each head. But
1: um, if you do that, that's good. Uh, dragging a rope around the yard. Like I've a seen this. Rope. Yeah. I've seen um, this. <laughs> we have one that stretches across the fairway. Okay. It's pretty neat. Um, a cart on each side pulling it but yeah, yeah i know it's that i'd it's love that to sugary, see yeah. early morning water that takes down more lawns than people give a credit for
0: yeah this is a big one too especially right now with seeding a lot of people will say oh well i get that morning due so i don't start my sprinklers until such and such time and yeah i've always been an advocate for saying like Listen, the dew is not your friend. <laughs> it's,
1: no, um, it's, it's literally the it's, enemy number one.
0: Yeah, yep, definitely. And I'm now trying to, like, get more involved with, like, dew points and understanding when to be out there with certain fungicides because of that. And if it's overnight temperatures and, you know, humidity levels, that's a lot more science than the average, like, you know typical homeowners going to do but like you said if you want to do something your neighbors are not to kind of get a leg up i think that's that's a really great place to start too just getting that dew off of your lawn awesome yeah that's awesome Man, Dan, it's been—it's uh, really been yeah. a, an awesome, awesome time. I'm really excited about what we've gotten here today. Um, unfortunately, I do have to kind of cut things off right here just because I've got to get the kids to bed. <laughs>
1: but yeah, um, all those, those, my, I, 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 I got to get to bed. Right yeah, so definitely. It's—it's it's an hour later totally where nice you're at. For me.
0: But listen, if if you are available at any point, you know later on in the season or whatnot, I would love to be able to follow up with you on things that are going on at the course and be able to kind of touch base with some of the projects you've got going on. and this was a lot of fun. I think that we can kind of continue this if you, if you have the availability down the line.
1: Yeah, no, i would love to do this. Awesome, uh, it'd be great anytime.
0: Great. Now, um, tell us a little bit uh before we head off though how people can get in touch with you in terms of you know what your handles are where you're at on instagram um any ways that they can follow some of the stuff because you've got really great pictures i was gonna that's kind of what drew me to your instagram profile was you've got some really really cool photography going up
1: <laughs> yeah no i appreciate that i i've always taken pictures but it's just now that cameras have <clears throat> kind of gotten to a point you know, if I'm on a golf course. You got to have the ability to zoom a little bit. You know, you, you lost so much quality for so long. Yeah. But now, you know, I've got some good cameras and I bought myself a good one. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm very, very self taught. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Nothing like spectacular. The right? most self taught. <laughs>
0: Definitely.
1: Um, but I've always really liked it and it's a cool way to reach out to people and mm-hmm. you know and I have people come in and see this stuff and they might not necessarily know what maintenance people do. Right. You know, the one thing the one question I always get when people contact me at the Greenskeeper is what do you do all winter? Well <laughs> prepare for the summer. Right. You know? <laughs> yep. And that's you know it's a year-round job sure no i am very lucky not everyone ha- has the same ability to pay for staff um some places have much more not all places have what we have
2: right right
1: i think it's great but yeah if uh if anyone wants to reach out um at the greens keep up uh no we are that's a soft a A-H, A-H. h gotcha um I did. I responded to uh, that one listener of yours um, about how to break into the industry. Fantastic.
0: Uh, yeah, that was something that we had gotten um, for anyone that's listening tonight. Uh, that we had a question to the greenskeeper, how to get into sports uh, sports management. You know, kind of as a young guy looking into to maybe starting this as a career choice. So, um, didn't really touch much on that today. But I'm glad you reached out to him and. Uh, Maybe just give us a quick synopsis before we head off today on on what would be something that someone like that could do to get into the field that you're in?
1: Uh, So what I said was uh, University of Massachusetts Amherst does their winter school for turf management. Right now, they're doing it online. It's a six-week course. It is uh, disease insect identification. Uh, Graphs like grass type identification, seed identification, soil science, uh, <clears throat> pesticides, uh, tree care, uh, irrigation. I mean, you name it. They have all of their teachers from that school come in and do some classes, and I mean, you leave there with every bit of base knowledge that every single person that wants to do this in any fashion whatsoever she needs to have, cool. um, and distance. I mean, we had two kids from France, which was kind of interesting because they're actually a warm season grass. So they're more Bermuda, you know, uh, zoysia. We had someone from the UK mm-hmm. who came over from, uh, Toro companies, United Kingdom yeah. student of the year program to come over and take the certificate. <clears throat> like it's a big kind of a big deal certificate yeah. in the industry that, you know, carries some weight. Very cool. Look for something like that that's gonna, you know, hit all those points and go from there. I mean, it really it it changed me from making English muffins at a deli in the morning to (laughs) be in the green steeper. That's cool. That's really cool. That's been really big. So awesome. That's my, that's my advice. Find something like that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you had sent me over um, just some details on that through my Instagram page. I can kind of, you know, funnel that through to the page. I'll post a couple of things. If anyone else is interested in a program like that, I, shoot, I'm, I'm interested yeah, in a program like that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs>
1: and I got to tell you, I mean, it being online, I actually had to go stay in Amherst, which, uh, you know, is a little more difficult for people with families and stuff. Right. But right.
0: Um, Yeah. And now if they're offering online... online Yeah,
1: you know, if you can take six weeks in the winter to do something, sure. That you know, the amount of information I have on a hard drive is would you know blow your mind.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: We'll uh, we'll have to spend some. Some episodes in the future going through
0: it. We should. We absolutely should. That's fantastic. I'm really excited that you're able to join us here tonight. And again, his handle uh, is at the keepa with an A H, not E R, at the end. At the keepa on Instagram. Um, so yeah, we've we've touched on a lot tonight. You know, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, and we'll we'll touch base soon here. So good luck with everything you've got going on at the golf course and with your roofing project, lawns, and things like that. Or hopefully, everyone's going to start to kind of go into a, a you know cruise mode here as we, as temperatures get a little cooler and we can ease up off of the uh, you know the mechanical stuff.
1: So um, remember, start tagging the trees now because once the leaves fall, they're all going to look like the dead one you hide all summer.
0: All right. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely. <sighs> Sounds great. Sounds great. All right. Well, thanks
1: for having me on. I appreciate it. I look forward to
0: talking to you. Absolutely. You have a good one.
1: You too. All Bye. right. Take care.
0: Bye now. The Grass Station Podcast provides weekly updates, tips, product reviews, and coaching on cool season residential lawn programs, helping you save time, effort, and money all season long.